Welcome to the As Yet Unnamed podcast with Jeff Perswell, a podcast to help pastors connect theology to local church life. And now here is Jeff with your host, Mickey Connolly. Well, guys, welcome back to uh, what for now we'll just simply call Jeff Perswell's podcast. And we're picking up on the theme of theological discernment. And uh, start off, uh, Jeff, just how does one actually grow in theological discernment? So I think hearing you last time, everybody would amen your thoughts. But then a lot of ordinary guys like me are thinking, okay, great. How do I grow in this? How do I, how do I become more theologically discerning? Yeah, it's a great question. Is, is it okay if we just kind of backtrack? Because there may be guys who didn't even hear the first one or don't remember it. A lot of, a lot of life goes under the water between these sometimes. But uh, <laughs> So we were talking about not mere theological knowledge, but uh, the definition that uh, I, I had proposed was that the, the impulse and ability. So there, it's not just uh, a skill. There's also an impulse that we cultivate. The impulse and ability to view all of life in terms of the truth of Scripture in general and the realities of the gospel in particular. I think that if you define it, then it becomes a little less vague. So how do I cultivate? Is this some mysterious thing that I'm trying to cultivate? You know, I, I've studied, I've read, but how do I get this sort of, you know, it, undefinable thing? <laughs> uh, well, if, if this definition is, is helpful, if it's right, I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, whether theological discernment is the best label or not, but the the impulse and ability to view all of life in terms of the truth of Scripture in general, the realities of the gospel in particular, I I think that that can direct us um, in a few few ways. I think the first thing I would say is, um, and I I said something like this in that message, in, in speaking to not only pastors but pastoral teams, you know, make biblical theological concerns a central part of our leadership in our churches and our interactions among each other. Um, we all know this as pastors. Uh, we are, you know, when we come into an elders meeting, we've got an agenda. We've got many things coming at us. Uh, we, we could be preoccupied with endless practical concerns. I, I just think we have to fight as pastors, fight as teams, not to let practical concerns govern our, or, or you know, govern us, uh, nor to let those concerns uh, stifle our theological, biblical formation. So if I'm talking to a senior pastor, I'm always encouraging guys, serve your teams by setting the pace theologically on your team. Even if you don't feel particularly educated, informed, gifted, maybe there's guys smarter than you on your team, you can lead guys by thinking theologically. In other words, emphasizing biblical priorities, reminding guys of their centrality. So, for example, in, in pastor's meetings, retreats, you know, make theological concerns, give them a role. Uh, whether that's, and I know a lot of our teams do that, but you know, whether that's going through books, whether that's listening to certain things, just don't let those things uh, be displaced. It's easy to say, well, yeah, I guess we all read the book. Let's go on to the next agenda item. Um, let's not be dominated by, uh, by, by practicals. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing. And Mickey, I, I just would want to say... Um, I've really appreciated your leadership in our region in 
in particular, you have worked hard, uh, first of all, to cultivate relationships in our region. When we have our regional assemblies, uh, you know, we are cultivating relationships there. Um, but we have always had a significant portion of those meetings focused on doctrinal issues, on pastoral issues. Uh, you've spoken on uh, leadership. CJ's spoken on leadership. I've spoken on preaching. Uh, we tend to the policy issues. Yes, those are important. Ordination, the function of various committees, those are important. But uh, I, I've just always appreciated the way in which you've ensured that uh, we are tending to such things. So that's that's the first thing I would Thank say. Thank you. Just make it a make it a category, and and, and be disciplined about it. Um, I, I think a, another way is is to, to to cultivate theological discernment is to be alert to to those places where our theological commitments are under attack, uh, or or where they're vulnerable, say to erosion or distortion. Or neglect. Uh, when you think about, we, we spoke on the last uh, the last podcast. I think about Titus one nine. Uh, we must hold fast to sound doctrine and be able to refute those who contradict it. There is, so the pastor he, he doesn't just memorize his theology. He he must be alert. So part of being discerning is to be alert. Where is something eroding? Where is something under attack? We're not. Uh, we're not called simply to affirm things. We're called to contend for certain things. We're called to contend for our doctrine. In particular, we're called to contend for the gospel. Um, so I, we could give examples there. Uh, my first, you know, my prime example there uh, is complementarianism. It's obviously one of our seven shared values. It's a, it's a key value. Um, but it is a value that for some time now, uh, and, and continually so, it's, it's under assault. So we have to assume that. Uh, we, we have to realize that, that people are breathing uh, feminist air in, in our churches. Um, but, but, it, but if we think about, say, evangelicalism for a moment, there, you know, with the, sort of the young, restless reform movement, you know, complementarianism is seemingly affirmed everywhere, or it's, it's certainly affirmed in broad swaths of, of our brothers and sisters. But we have to be discerning not only ways in which this is attack, under attack in the culture, but ways in which a failure to contend for this biblical teaching in our midst is leading to an erosion of the teaching. If you don't contend for this, there will be an inevitable erosion of it. Um, I, I think of con, you know, women's conferences that, that are proliferating, um, and, and I'm not criticizing you know, women's conferences and, and even ones I may have in mind. I'm not necessarily uh, criticizing what, what their goal is. But if, if you think about uh, a particular women's conference, uh, I'm thinking about one. Dozens, scores of seminar, uh, seminars and sessions uh, look through those things. You will search virtually in vain for a seminar that focuses on women as women, that equips women in their uniquely feminine nature, their uniquely feminine characteristics, their uniquely feminine role. I, I, I don't at all believe that the conference planners are trying to undermine complementarity, uh, but I think their leadership in neglecting it, in failing to contend for it, in failing to realize that those women coming are, you know, their, 
the expression of their femininity uh, in a biblical way is under attack. I think failure to contend for that and to equip people in it is having an eroding effect on complementarian views, complementarian practices. You know, if, if the entire thrust of a, of a ministry geared towards women is equipping women, say, to teach the Bible, uh, to teach other women, which I think equipping women to teach other women is a great thing. But if that's the entire thrust, what other effect can that have but then to erode the unique things women are called to? And I just would add to that, not to mention the ecclesiological implications of that, which I hear no one talking about. Uh, the, the subtle undermining of a pastor's role, comments that are made that you know only a, whim, a woman can really understand other women and therefore teach doctrine to that woman uh, uh, you know, in a faithful way. Boy, if that's true, then the Apostle Paul owes us a massive apology for, for over the past 2,000 years. Uh, so uh, not, not to mention the, the unwitting uh, creation of unrealistic expectations in, in the heart of women, um, which is really kind of a two-prong effect. Uh, that kind of thrust can put pressure on many women who just love and feel called to support their husbands and pour themselves into their children. There's a pressure on them to be, you know, I, I heard Owen Strand use this, this term, to be mom plus. It's fine to be a mom, fine to be a wife, but you've got to be mom plus. You've got to be doing this. You've got to be teaching. You've got to be writing. Uh, that is, there's a pressure placed on, on women, I think inadvertently, uh, you know, if, if you're not teaching God's Word and starting a women's ministry and a conference speaker and writing a book, you know, you're just subpar. Um, so I, 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 think, I think that, and on the other side, that there can be, I think, inevitably, uh, the, the cultivation of, of ambitions in, in the hearts of, or expectations, maybe, uh, in, in the hearts of, of certain people that just won't be fulfilled. So that, that, that's, the, that's an example of, of being alert for where things are eroding. Uh, so it's not just, the culture's going to be against us on this issue. We know that. That's fine. But I, I think what's even a greater threat is the soft complementarianism uh, among evangelicals. Uh, it's a failure in discernment uh, to, to see where not tending to a particular area of doctrine is leading to its, uh, to its erosion. So that's the second one, being alert to where theological commitments are under attack. Excellent. Uh, you want me to give you another one? Yeah. Uh, another thought. It's just, I think, watching our diet as pastors, uh, ensuring that we're devoting part of our reading diet to books that aren't only practical, aren't only dealing with our particular area of ministry, uh, but also books that uh, are uh, exploring the implications, trajectories, applications, distortions of, of doctrine. Um, so, I mean, think about that. It, it, and it's, so it's not enough just to read systematic theologies, which we should read systematic theologies. But how many semi seminary grads have you met that are full of knowledge, void of wisdom, naive theologically, naive pastorally? So there are some of the, I think some of the most helpful reading we can do is, is material that doesn't just formulate doctrine, but explores it and illustrates it. Um, 
So I'm thinking of books like The Forgotten Spurgeon. I think that's one many of our pastors have read maybe multiple times. But to me, it's such a, a, a wonderful example where, you know, where Murray explores how Spurgeon navigated you know, the three main controversies of his day, uh, how he evaluated those, how he addressed those, what he saw through uh, as critical and when he felt called to oppose such things. Uh, a book like Revival and Revivalism by Ian Murray, uh, another excellent book, so relevant for today, where you know, book after book rolls off the presses telling young pastors you know, how to do church successfully. Uh, here's a book that um, reviews uh, techniques, a technique-driven Christianity from the past and differentiates that from a God-centered, uh, faith-filled expectation of what God and only God can do. Uh, the Whole Christ, a, a book that uh, was one of the best books, I think, of this My past book of the year. year. Yeah, my, my, I, I, when that came out, I told, I told CJ, I haven't read it yet. This will be my... Uh, this will be my book of the year, though, I, I know, before I even read it. But, uh, but that book that treats the, the Miro controversy dealing with issues of free grace and uh, antinomianism and so forth, but it's, it's just this wonderful explanation of just what is the gospel. Uh, and, and given what it is, how are pastors to talk about it, how are pastors to present it, um, so I think it's those kinds of books that really help us think through the implications of doctrines, uh, the uh, distortions of doctrines. I think that those can be some of the most helpful things. So uh, avoid merely equipping books, uh, pragmatic books. Make sure some of our, our diet is, is given to such things. That'd be another. Good. L- let me, a uh, quick question. I um I recently started reading. It'll probably take me several years to get back and forth. Uh, Gerald Bray, God has spoken historical theology, mm-hmm. which I found really interesting because he's he's going through how did our doctrine develop and how did the controversies. I found it very stimulating. So comment just a little bit on historical theology and studying historical theology as a way to become discerning. Well, great great category, and it, it, you'll notice the three books I, I mentioned there all are exercises in doing historical theology. So um, I I think historical theology is one of the most neglected disciplines among pastors. Uh, I think we're good, usually, I think we're good on systematics. Uh, I think uh, we are better at biblical theology, but I think historical theology can be can be particularly illuminating because we see uh, not only how doctrines were formulated, but we see the context in which they were formulated. What pressures uh, were brought? What, what pressures forced the church to articulate certain things? Uh, can be extremely illuminating when we're trying to not just you know learn doctrine, teach doctrine, but trying to apply doctrine. We we see how it can be misapplied or what situations caused a particular doctrine to be especially relevant or to be formulated in a particular way. So uh, I just want I'll just say I'm into to to what you say. There's the particular contribution to that. So uh and any one uh, that's <laughs> most of them tend to be kind of weighty tomes. So uh God has spoken is like twelve hundred pages. Uh, John Frame just did philosophy and theology which was like 1200 any simple book that you would recommend just to get started i probably i picked the wrong books to get started but yeah well no i i think you know one it's it's a big book but one that i think is is very accessible 
uh, and it's organized well. It's Greg Allison's book on historical theology. He actually patterns it uh, on the same uh, on the same model as Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Uh, but it, okay. but it's an excellent book. Um, a, a, another book that. Uh, that, that came out this year by Michael Reeves, I think is a very helpful one. Theologians You Should Know. Uh, and so it's portraits of great theologians throughout church history. It's, it's very accessible. It's very winsome. Um, but but he's, he, he, they're not just biographies. He's, he's giving you a flavor for their theological contributions, the context in which they lived, uh, what they were dealing with at the particular time. Uh, just a great easy read uh, and it's the kind of thing that's just it's just fertile for your thinking uh, it's fertile for thinking theologically um, I, I, we, we, I I noted a couple of books a, a moment ago uh, the forgotten Spurgeon revival and revivalism but I uh, an, another one that I, I think is helpful along those lines is Christianity and liberalism if uh, many uh, of Machen? us by Machen okay. many of us have probably read that if you haven't read it uh, you must read it, uh, where he's obviously dealing with the uh, you know the modernist controversy in the early 20th century, but uh, it's just a piercing uh, piece of theological discernment because he's essentially looking at liberal Protestantism, and he labels it not as merely a you know containing some aberrations, but as an entirely as an entirely different kind of uh, Christianity altogether. Uh, and in subtle ways, we feel we still fight that battle today. Uh, Liberalism is not done with. No, it's no, it's absolutely it might true. be the majority religion. It's absolutely true. And what's so what's so helpful about that book in applying it in other uh, to to other ideas to to other phenomena is. Uh, it, it, it helps you see what's fundamental, what's fundamental about Christianity and where that goes astray. So even as a thought exercise, I, I think it's an incredibly helpful book that every guy should read if you haven't read it. Yeah. All right, guys, you can thank us later for adding to your reading stack. And as uh, CJ used to say, just increase your, your book allowance budget. You have our permission. Uh, so those are great. Make it a category uh, and be disciplined in it. Be aware of where we're under attack. Watch your diet as pastors. Anything else? Well, I your reading diet. Yeah, re- relating to that reading diet, I was giving specific kinds of reading. Uh, the other thing I would just, as a subpoint under that, is 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 to pay attention to your diet. Uh, not only read the kind of books we were just talking about, but also. Uh, be sure that you are varying your reading and you are exploring uh, the different fields of uh, of theology. So, for instance, I, I I just think we all tend to read the kinds of things that we like, um, and so to impose a discipline on ourselves that that varies our diet, I think, is really important. So, for instance. Uh, from a I know Mark Dever has talked about he chooses a particular person in church history and every month reads their their writings and he does he cycles through this every 12 months which i think is a great idea An- another idea i've i've recommended to guys before we might want to pick one guy a year for something yeah it, it could be helpful uh, i i think another uh, another discipline i've recommended to guys is think about the field of theology you know the various parts of systematics doctrine of god doctrine of scripture etc and um at, during a period of time, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a quarter, just say, okay, this quarter, this month, I'm going to drill down deeper. 
Um, so we're constantly taking sort of soil samples from different parts of the field of theology. But I, th I think maybe every month, every quarter, say this during this period, I'm going to drill deep. So I'm going to look carefully at Christology. There's a new book just coming off the presses that I've been looking forward to by Stephen Wellam uh, called The Doctrine of Christ. Uh, it, it's going to be an excellent. It's going to be an excellent book. Is it Doctrine of Christ or God Incarnate? I think I just bought it today over at the Southern Bookstore. I think it's called God. God Incarnate. Incarnate. Okay, yeah, I think this, the Doctrine of Christ is a subtitle. Is, okay. is a subtitle. Yeah. Um, I, I just think you know. So there's an opportunity. All right. I'm going to delve into the Doctrine of Christ. I'm going to work my way through this book. Work my way through the texts, uh, the the key texts. Uh, and and so I, I think that's another thing. So when I'm looking out over the year. Think, think to yourself, all right, over this year, where do I want to dig deeper? Um, and I think that if we're doing that regularly, we're just going to be broadening ourselves. Uh, we're going to be uh, exposing ourselves to, to different aspects of theology, which means different texts, uh, and uh, thinking through those things, how they relate to each other. So just var varying our diet and being intentional about it, I think, is vital. Great. All right, let's close on this one. And I think you would agree with this completely. I, I, I wouldn't want guys to think about theology simply as reading uh, systematic theologies or other books. I mean, our primary theology is the Bible itself. And uh, I think a lot of guys can just be studying Scripture j simply for the purpose of preaching. Uh, can you comment a little bit on just the Bible itself? And how, how do you study? How do you think of studying outside? Uh, for example, I um, a couple of years ago, I, d I did a study on the pastoral epistles, mm -hmm. which obviously do everything that you're talking about because he's talking about how to apply theology for pastors. So mm -hmm. we have three wonderful pastoral epistles, and I, I regularly go back and review that material. So, yeah, just, just finish commenting on the Bible itself as a source for theological discernment and study apart from study simply for preparing messages, et cetera? Yeah. Well, your question itself makes the point. We, 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 ha we have to be growing in our understanding of Scripture. What an obvious statement. But it's what a discipline that's so easily neglected. Uh, so I think that becomes part of our diet as well. I wouldn't at all say that someone should restrict themselves to systematic theology. No, I just you think that, saying that. that picture can, can be helpful and can introduce categories for us. But uh, I think guys should be working, I mean, fitting in with your other priorities, fitting in with your other reading priorities. But uh, hopefully uh, guys are working through different portions of Scripture. So I think, for instance, an easy way to do that, a good way to do that is um, if you're reading through, choose a book that you're going to work through in your devotions and have uh, a, a, a book that you're reading along, say a commentary. That's, yeah, that's, great. So you're not just reading a few verses and then meditating on it, although that's ideal, but you're also uh, studying that book. You're studying that book in context. You're uh, exposing yourself to exegetical issues. You're exposing yourself to the application of that text. So, uh, you know, this month, say, I'm going to read... Uh, I'm going to read the book of Acts, and I'm going to read along with that, say, John Stott's commentary on the book of Acts, which is wonderfully, it's wonderfully biblical, it's faithful, it's exegetical, but it's, it's also 
expository. It's it's there's it's it's rich. It's warm. There's an applicatory bent to it that I think could be is, is very helpful. I think that's one thing. And then and then vary that. Um, I myself am. I, I think this is a great discipline, but I don't think. I'm not a fan of making it one's exclusive discipline, and that is reading through the Bible in a year. I think that's that's a fine thing to do. But what I find for myself that when I'm doing that, uh, I'm more concerned with uh, the amount I'm reading, getting through, rather than digesting it. Yeah. So I stop doing it. I'm not a fan of reading yeah. through the Bible in a year. I, I actually have a Bible reading plan, but that's designed for a year. But I do it in two. Uh, so I, I read about half of it every day. So I think it's very helpful to have a, a plan. So I'm not just coming to my Bible in the morning saying, well, what do I want to read this morning? No, I've got a plan. I'm working through different parts of Scripture. But I'm just doing it more slowly because I have to med- If I don't meditate and, and fuel my, my soul and my prayers through meditation, then my, I'm not having my devotions, really. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I think that can also be done by you know, a chapter in the Bible chapter in a commentary or the, you know the corresponding part of the commentary for that I think that's a great thing the, the other thing that um, it, you know it sounds like we're just kind of piling on things uh, piling on <laughs> obligations but guys um, have to be theologically discerning to know what to do when in their schedules yes but but another thing to consider adding uh, depending on where one is um, but reading Biblical theological works. Uh, I, I just think um, not simply Bi- reading. Biblical theology, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay, biblical theology works. Okay. I, exactly. So um, now th- th- there's all sorts of different ones. There are sort of an increasing amount of whole Bible biblical theologies like Goldsworthy's According to Plan or uh, Jim Hamilton's uh, God's Glory in Salvation Through Judgment, uh, The King and His Beauty by Tom Schreiner. There's, so there, there's, those are just good books to just sort of work through. You can work through slowly. What it's going to do is going to force you to look not just a, not atomistically at a particular verse, but it's you're reading the Bible in the context of the storyline. Our guys are familiar with that. I think that's another good discipline. I'm not saying you do all of these things at once. Historical theology, drilling down into areas of systematic theology, reading a commentary with the Bible, reading biblical <laughs> theologies like that. But I think uh, varying your diet, build it into your gear. Moving, yeah, through those different things is just a wonderful way to to both deepen yourself and broaden yourself. Not just looking at scripture, but looking, and, and not just looking at doctrines, but uh, looking at the intersection of all those things. Excellent. Oh, served us so well. Can't wait for next month. Thank you. And uh, guys, again, if there's topics you want to cover, questions, send them in to me. Thanks for being a part. Thanks for listening. We love you, men. Absolutely. Uh, and what a joy to hopefully be serving our pastors. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And that concludes our podcast for this month. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next time.